What's up, guys, and welcome to MCS Podcast number 299. This is Buck Green from MCS Magazine, sitting in this week for Jeff Anderson, and I thought this week it might be fun to take a break from all the doom and gloom and post-apocalyptic COVID-19 prophecies to talk about something really cool, and that is cheap knives. If you don't carry a cheap knife, you should, and you should carry it in addition to the more expensive knives you're already carrying. Uh, Before we get any further, you can download your one-page handy-dandy cheat sheet for this week's episode at mcsmagazine.com slash 299. That's mcsmagazine.com slash 299. All right, without further ado, let's talk cheap knives. Tactical firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. All right, we're back. Uh, I want to ask you, what is the most expensive knife you've ever bought? Uh, I don't know about you. I get real nervous carrying anything that costs more than a hundred bucks. And even then I get a little nervous about carrying around something that would cost a hundred dollars to replace if I lost it or if it got confiscated at a security checkpoint or any of uh, countless other things that can happen to a knife that you're carrying. Um, I think most people probably carry a folding knife uh, that is anywhere from Again, thirty to a hundred dollars. It's hard to make generalizations, but if you look at the sort of the sweet spot of knife prices for name brand tactical folders, what you'll see is usually around eh, fifty dollars is probably a median price. Uh, but again, you know they can go up to a hundred, they can go up to more. I know guys that are carrying around knives that are worth as much as a handgun, a nice one too, and. It's fine if you carry that, and you should. I mean, life is short. Why not enjoy nice things, good quality merchandise? Uh, We certainly uh, are no strangers to high-quality products that are tough as nails here at MCS Magazine. But I might make a suggestion, and that is that you should be carrying, in addition to your more expensive gear, a cheap knife. Um, And I don't mean to replace any of the good stuff you're carrying, and I'm not trying to imply that a cheap knife isn't good stuff. You can have both. It is possible to have your cake and eat it too, to sort of misquote the famous line. Uh, I think what we need to consider, though, are five reasons why you can supplement your daily carry with an inexpensive knife. Now, uh, as we get to point one, what am I talking about when I talk about a cheap knife? I'm generally not talking about folders. There are some very cheap folders on the market. You can go into most dollar stores and find cheap folding knives there, both slip slip locks, slip joints, uh, and uh, yeah, it would be slip joint, not slip lock. Ha ha ha. Um, you can find like copies of the Swiss Army knife in a dollar store that are just these cheap made in China slip joint uh, uh, jackknife style uh, uh, you know folders. And you can find locking knives that oftentimes they look like copies of, say, the the Spyderco Delica. Those copies are very common. Um, I've seen them under a number of different brand names. Many, many years ago, I bought specifically for traveling a couple of folding knives made by a company called Maxim. Well, uh, M-A-X-A-M. It would probably be more accurate to say that they were branded that way, but there probably is no such company. I, I know there were a few knives on the market at the time under that brand name. These looked like Spyderco Delicas where the opening hole had been replaced by a big pocket stud, uh, you know, a plastic knob set within the hole, probably because those knives were also turned out as counterfeits. I didn't know that at the time. Uh, I was a young neophyte in the ways of knives at the time. 
But my point is that those those cheap, really cheap folding knives, they aren't what we're looking for. They're generally too uh, unsafe because a knife that you pay a dollar for has a lock that you paid a dollar for. So they, they're very unlikely to hold up to the rigors of actually using them for even day-to-day -day utility, much less emergency self-defense. So when we talk about an inexpensive daily carry knife, we're usually talking about a fixed blade. It has no moving parts. Uh, they're cheaper to produce than folding knives because they have no moving parts. So you can find a higher quality of cheap knife at that price point. Um, and while I'm not saying you need to limit yourself to a dollar, we're going to be referring to dollar stores frequently because that is the most common place where you could find these inexpensive fixed blade knives. One of the best examples is the IKEA Scalad, S-K-A-L-A-D. It's like salad only with a K inserted in there for some weird Swedish IKEA reason. Uh, the IKEA Scalad is a really great little knife. It comes with its own plastic sheath. Um, if you were just buying it to use it as a paring knife, that keeps you from cutting yourself on the thing when it's in your drawer in your kitchen. Um, you could rig up a, a static line carry with that little plastic sheath if you use something thin enough to fit through the holes of the plastic of the, the sheath itself because it's one of those skeletonized jobs. But uh, there are a number of different options when it comes to rigging up a sheath for something like that, and we'll talk about that later in this podcast. The reason I highlight the IKEA Scallet is, for one thing, it's well-made. Uh, it's got good ergonomics. It's pretty tough, even though it's just a plastic-handled paring knife. And I don't think it's full tang, but it, it actually holds up pretty well to, to abuse, uh, much like the Victorinox 40606 bird's beak paring knives that we talked about in a previous podcast when we talked about the fruit knife, uh, the tactical fruit knife craze. Um, that knife also is not full tang. It is a blade inserted into a plastic handle, uh, but they're remarkably tough. Um, and I found the IKEA Scala to be surprisingly durable as well. Even if, and one of the reasons that uh, I'm highlighting these is reason one in our five reasons to carry cheap knives, you can find these anywhere. Now, lots of places have Ikeas. You can also buy from Ikea mail order if you want to pay shipping, although adding on the shipping cost might defeat the purpose unless you're buying a whole lot of them. Uh, but even if you don't have an Ikea near you, you can find an equivalent paring knife or steak knife uh, in any dollar store. I, I am something of an aficionado of dollar stores. <laughs> Partly that's because quite a few years back now I went through a period of poverty where that's how I was keeping myself alive. But also I've come to appreciate some of the good deals you can get in these stores. Not all dollar stores are created equal. Um, some of the most common ones out where I am are the Dollar Tree brand. Uh, you may also have heard of Family Dollar and Dollar General. Uh, dollar Tree is a true dollar store. You can get everything for a dollar in there. The other ones, they, they have prices that are above a dollar. You might think, well, that's not good because the prices are higher. But you have to remember that in any dollar store where every price is a dollar, you're limited in the amount of quality you can get to anything they can sell at a profit for one dollar, which means that something that they could profit at like at three dollars or four dollars, well, you can't get that in an only a dollar dollar store. So consider that when you're shopping at, at discount stores like these. Every Dollar Tree I've ever been into had a wide collection of uh, paring knives and steak knives and, and even larger kitchen cutlery that could make a, a fairly decent uh, utility and self-defense knife if you rigged up a sheath for it. Um, so 
Number one, when it comes to carrying inexpensive knives, is you can get these literally anywhere. Now, I know what you're thinking. You get what you pay for. We're going to come to how you look at the quality of these knives. But uh, before we do that, though, let's look at reason number two that you should be carrying inexpensive knives to supplement your daily carry. And that is they're very easily replaceable. Uh, well, this is one of the most common reasons that anyone carries an inexpensive knife. Um, you can use a cheap knife for things you would never put your nicer knife through. Like even stuff that you didn't necessarily need a knife for, like say you step in dog poop. <laughs> well, you might want something to scrape out the bottom of, of the soles of your shoe, and a cheap knife can do that. Now, a lot of people would just find a stick or something so that they can just toss it aside when they're done. But my point is, you can use a cheap knife for all kinds of work tasks, dirty, grimy jobs uh, that you would never use one of your nicer Safe Queen style knives for. If you spent $100 or $200, like uh, uh, I, at one point I had an Emerson folding karambit, and that knife, I want to say, was a couple hundred bucks, if I'm remembering correctly. Well, that's a really nice knife, and it's a really effective self-defense tool. I'm not using that for utility chores. For one thing, you don't want to use your your uh, dedicated self-defense knives for utility chores because you're just dulling them unnecessarily. But my point is, when you've got a cheap knife, it's like owning a cheap car. I, I've owned a number of beater cars in my life. There was a period of time, again, that period of time when I was sort of in, mired in poverty <laughs> before I came to work for MCS Magazine, and I was buying these really cheap four and $5,000 cars. Well, uh, the one thing about having a car like that is you don't really care if anything scuffs up the finish. And you can enjoy yourself with a car like that in a way that you can't with a much nicer vehicle. You want to do some grilling? You can grill right on the hood of the car. It doesn't matter. You put your gas grill right on the hood. You know, you sit on the uh, on the car uh, to watch fireworks in the summer back when we used to do things like that in this country. Um, there's a freedom that comes with having a scuffed up cheap car that people with nicer cars who need to keep them nice don't get to experience. And I remember when I bought my first brand new car, I was absolutely terrified of it getting dinged and, and, and scratched. Uh, and that's normal. That's normal when you have something nice and you want to try and keep it nice. Well, the same is true for an easily replaceable knife. You can use that knife and enjoy that knife in ways that you would never do with a much more expensive blade. Also, you can risk having that knife taken away. I, I, carrying knives as I do and always have in my whole adult life, I have encountered many security checkpoints. I'm not talking about government checkpoints like at federal buildings or the airport, stuff like that. You don't mess with those types of checkpoints. You don't risk taking a knife into places like that where it's flat out illegal. What I'm talking about are those civilian areas where the, the people running that venue don't want you to have a knife, but there's literally no penalty for trying to bring the knife in there other than losing it. Uh, so you wouldn't want to risk an expensive knife at a checkpoint like that. One of the examples I've used before is uh, the first time I went to a baseball stadium after having not been to one for many years, I was stunned to find out that they were wanding everybody going into the stadium. There had never been security like that many years before when I used to go to local baseball games. Um, so you can risk a cheap knife. You can say, well, I, I'm going to take my chances and, you know, carry this in a way that I think I can get past security because it's none of their business if I'm properly legally defending myself or not. Uh, because we're talking about knives that would be legal to carry except in this venue where the people owning that venue don't want you to do that. Now, I understand property rights are property rights, but at the same time, 
I figure if I'm legally defending myself, then what other people don't know doesn't hurt them as long as I'm not breaking any real laws. If it's just the rules of the people who own that joint, then the biggest risk I'm taking is they might want to charge me with trespassing. you got to weigh that. You don't want to get yourself into any kind of legal trouble. But when it comes to, like, trying to take my self-defense knife, you know, a perfectly legal pairing knife, like, say, into... I don't know, a venue like a baseball stadium, they don't want me to have it there, but there's no law that says I can't have it. So they might confiscate it. I'm at, oh, I forgot I had that. Here, you keep that. You know, If it's something that's cheap and easily replaceable, you're more willing to gamble that you can get through where you need to go and still legally defend yourself. Now, I must emphasize, I'm, I'm not saying to break the law. Do not ever break the law. Don't do anything that's going to get you into legal trouble. One of the things we really stress here is staying on the right side of the law. But we all know there are gray areas where we'd like to be able to stay armed for self-defense and even for utility when otherwise, you know, th- there's an element of risk involved. There's an element of fooling civilian security personnel a little bit. Again, not doing anything illegal, but if it's legal for me to carry a particular item, and let's say the folks at, it used to be, um, uh, I want to say they had a policy like that at Blockbuster Video. I could be wrong about that, but, uh, you know, let, let's say your local mom and pop video store back when those existed, you know, and they've got a, a no gun sign posted. Or, or really, if you have a legal carry permit, there's any number of businesses that will put up signs saying guns are not welcome on this, this uh, on these premises. Well, okay, I understand that you're a private property owner, and technically you have the right to tell me you don't want my business. And a lot of gun owners would say, well, I'm not going to give those people my money because they're hostile to my Second Amendment rights, and I understand that. But we all know that we make certain compromises. As armed citizens who take responsibility for protecting ourselves and others, there are always going to be times when you have to go into a place where it's not illegal for you to have a particular uh, weapon or tool or gun or knife, but it's frowned upon by the people who own that particular venue. So you're going to have to take that on a case-by-case basis. Always stay on the right side of the law, but understand that if what you're carrying is easily replaceable, even if you have to ditch it before going in. Like, I went to the state fair once many years ago, and they I didn't know they had a no-knife policy. And they've been very... Uh, inconsistent in enforcing that policy. Well, with a very cheap disposable knife, uh, if I get stopped by security and they say, you can't bring that in here, I have two choices. I can go the miles away to where the parking was that I've just taken a shuttle bus from and leave my knife in the car. Or because I'm very far away from my vehicle, I can either throw my knife away uh, safely, or I could even, I don't know, hide it in a potted plant and come back for it later Um, just to make sure I'm not leaving something there for the neighborhood kids to find and play with. And again, you do have to weigh, like if if I say you have an inexpensive knife and you want to stash it somewhere outside the venue so that you can enter the venue without breaking any of their rules and then retrieve your item later, you have to weigh, am I leaving something potentially dangerous where where people could get their hands on it? You know, always consider all those factors. Um, I remember there was a, 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 there's a series of books uh, that I really enjoyed by Barry Eisler. And his his hero character is, I want to say, some kind of an assassin. Uh, it's been a while since I read the books. They're really good, though. Uh, it's the John Rain series, if I'm remembering correctly. And at one point, our hero, uh, he's he's gone into an airport. 
He knows that he's going to come back through that airport later, and he wants to leave a knife where he'll be able to get at it when he gets past security where they do the, the, the security checkpoints for the planes, because we all know that an airport has two areas, before and after security. So he actually tapes a knife behind a toilet in a public bathroom uh, and hopes that it'll be there when he comes back. That's a very calculated risk. Um, I don't think too many children are poking around behind the toilets in a public bathroom. I sure hope they're not. But uh, in the story, when, when the hero comes back for his knife, it's not there, and he has to fight off some people who are trying to murder him after he gets off a plane or something. Um, my point is, it's all about options, and you have to weigh what you do versus how to stay legal, you must always stay legal, and how not to endanger other people around you. A less expensive blade gives you more options than a very expensive knife, unless you're the sort of person who enjoys throwing money away, is my point. So, reason one. Cheap knives are available everywhere. They're as close as most dollar stores. Reason two, they're very easily replaceable, even if you engage in behavior that, eh, you know, uh, isn't illegal, but involves risking losing your knife. Uh, point number three is it's very easy to rig up a sheath for an inexpensive knife. What I mean is you can do the old cardboard and duct tape route, which is not as safe as some other options, but it's very tried and true. And if you use enough duct tape, hopefully the knife won't puncture through. Keep this in mind, if you're carrying a fixed blade in a cardboard and duct tape sheath and you fall wrong, it's very easy to stab yourself. There are other options that are, are, are more safe. Uh, the folks at uh, Ed's Manifesto uh, made popular the use of melting a plastic soda bottle around a knife. You take a lighter, you take a plastic soda bottle, you can actually melt the plastic of the soda bottle in such a way that you make an improvised sheath for a knife. And that plastic is much better than just cardboard and duct tape. Uh, even better, you could mold that plastic and then put cardboard and duct tape around it as long as you don't make it too bulky. And voila, you've got a disposable sheath for your cheap knife. So when would you use something like that? I'm not talking about rigging up a disposable shanking tool for all your international assassin business. But uh, I have flown, uh, I live in New York, and I have flown to Texas for purposes of business meetings with MCS Magazine before. And when I did, I obtained, when I got to Texas, the uh, a cheap uh, knife and uh, a soda bottle and a, a cigarette lighter. And I made myself a sheath for my knife, and I was perfectly equipped for self-defense while I was there. And then, you know, left those things behind when I flew back because they were cheap and disposable, and there was no need to, uh, to worry about complicating things further. In previous trips, I had mailed myself things, you know, taken a knife and some other gear and, and just put it in the mail and sent it to myself so that it would be waiting for me at my destination. But there's no need to do that. There's no need to worry about that. You can get what you need where you're going if you know what to look for. Uh, reason number four to carry an inexpensive knife, they're more likely to be seen as quote-unquote normal. An inexpensive knife is more likely to be seen as a utility knife. If it's not a $200 tactical Rambotron Death Splitter 2000, it's just a paring knife from your local Ikea, well, uh, there's lots of normal reasons to have something like that. Um, most of these inexpensive knives were never meant to be tactical blades. They weren't sold that way. They weren't marketed that way. Um, now, this is no guarantee. There's nothing that says somebody's not going to haul you in anyway if you have a knife in the wrong context or if, especially if the behavior you're engaging in is not itself legal. You know, you can't buy an Ikea Scalid, rig up a sheath for it, carry it around with you, uh, you know, 
get into a fight with some guy, escalate and stab him, and expect not to get in trouble for carrying a weapon. Be like, well, it's just a paring knife. That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter based on your behavior. Um, we're talking about just if you happen to get stopped, if you happen to be going through security, if you happen to be anywhere that knives are frowned on. Even in a, a work context, a lot of business places have no weapon policies. A lot of business places, there's a lot more gray areas when it comes to utility knives. I worked at a place where there were plenty of people carrying around folding knives. Um, a tactical knife would have been seen as a weapon and in violation of the business's no weapons policy. But a paring knife that you carry in your lunch is an effective self-defense tool that doesn't have to look or be carried in that way, and you can get away with that. So always consider context. Consider what can I reasonably get away with in the context of where I am and what I'm doing. Uh, and this will really help you when you're dealing with other people and uh, when you're dealing with, with law enforcement, if that ever comes up. I worked at one place where uh, I, had, I just carried a folding knife like anybody. Uh, and I was opening a box of paper. They have those plastic straps around the boxes that hold the reams of paper. And uh, I didn't think anything of it until my manager called me into her office and said, look, I should have said something before. One of your coworkers is, quote unquote, uncomfortable with the fact that you carry a knife. And I was not the only person carrying a folding knife. She said, she complained once before and I thought it was stupid, so I didn't tell you, which is why I really like this manager, to be honest. Uh, but she complained a second time, so I have to warn you so it doesn't happen again or else it could become an issue. So she was giving me the heads up not to, you know, be seen with my folding knife because certain persons were made to feel, quote unquote, uncomfortable. I was never allowed to confront my accuser. I never knew who it was for sure, although I have my suspicions. So there's a big difference between snapping open a tactical folding knife and just having a paring knife on your person. Now, that's not a guarantee. The same person might have been just as uncomfortable seeing me use a knife to open uh, that plastic strap around the paper if it was an, an Ikea Scalid as opposed to, a, I think it was a Gerber Easy Out at the time. Uh, however, you never know. It, it might make a difference. It really might. It's hard to say. Um, that's just the world we live in. Finally, number five, uh, some of you may be thinking this whole time, look, man, I understand the arguments you're making about carrying che cheap knives, but I am not buying an Ikea Scalad and carrying that around when I can carry a high-quality tactical knife. You're just being silly because cheap knives are cheap. You get what you pay for. Well, I understand that argument. Uh, and when you're selecting a cheap knife, uh, you can look for ways to find a knife that's going to be stronger and more durable than some other knives. For example, some knives have a proven track record. The Ikea Scalid, the Victorinox uh, two and a half inch bird's beak paring knife, those knives are actually really durable despite the fact that they're not full tang. It's a, it's a metal, uh, uh, I don't know if you should call it a stick tang, but a piece of metal juts off the blade and is inserted into the plastic and held there by the plastic. Uh, that's one of the reasons you can modify the handles on those knives if you choose, uh, because there's no metal to get in the way. If the knife doesn't have a proven track record, you're probably going to want to avoid pairing knives with plastic handles, especially if it's something you picked up at a dollar store. But there's lots of other knives in those stores. I've seen some that had aluminum handles. I've seen some that had wood handles, and the wood-handled ones you can usually tell if you're actually looking at a full-tang knife. I've seen full-tang steak knives, full-tang butcher knives, even cleavers in certain dollar stores. Um, for example, some dollar stores are commercial chains, and some are what I would characterize as more 
mom and pop dollar stores. There's one in my local area where the whole staff that runs the store is Chinese and their goods are clearly straight off the boat from China. A lot of the lettering on the packages is Chinese. Now, I know right now, especially in light of the pandemic, a lot of people are rethinking whether or not they're buying stuff from China. And I get that. I'm not I'm not arguing for or against. I'm just telling you what's out there. Um, so it is possible to get a full tang knife with a wood handle. It's possible to get a knife with a metal handle uh, and pay very little, pay very little money. Now, uh, another problem with some of those is it's very hard to uh, do something about the handle, you might think. Well, you know, if it's got a smooth metal handle, that's, that's no good for self-defense. There's a cheap trick that you can try. <laughs> I know this sounds like one of those clickbait click, Clickbait articles, uh, uh, this one weird trick uh, will change the traction of your knife handle, but it's actually true. You get a rubber band, an ordinary rubber band, and you wrap it several times around the handle. I'm not talking about completely obscuring the handle and rubber band the way that criminals are said to do in order to make it harder to take fingerprints off guns. I'm talking about you take a rubber band and you wrap it a few times around the handle you would be amazed how much that improves traction. No, there's nothing holding the rubber band on there, uh, but this is something that most people don't realize. Take a length of paracord, wrap it around a knife handle without tying it off in any way. Now grip the handle. You're actually, you've got a, a better grip than you would otherwise. It's actually surprising. There's a lot of friction involved there. You, you, you do this with a rubber band and it's the same thing. The friction of you holding on to the rubber band, holding on to the handle, produces a better grip overall, and it works surprisingly well. I did not believe that this trick worked until I tried it. I, matter of fact, I was scrolling through my Instagram feed, and a friend of mine had that same sort of loose rubber band around some of his knife handles. I'm like, why would you do that until I tried it? And then I'm like, oh, that's why you would do that. That's actually kind of amazing. So give it a try. You might be surprised. Um, and that is one way to improve the traction of an inexpensive knife with an otherwise smooth handle. All right, we have covered all five reasons that you should be carrying a cheap knife. Number one, they're available everywhere. Number two, they're very easily replaceable, which means that in those gray areas where it's legal for you to carry, but you still might be running the risk of losing your knife, you might be willing to take that shot. Uh, number three, it's very easy to rig up a sheath, even a, a relatively safe one, using materials that are at hand. Uh, I didn't mention this, but of course there are uh, craftsmen on places like eBay and Etsy uh, where they make Kydex sheaths for some of these knives by model. Um, Number four, you're, you're more likely to be seen as carrying a normal utility knife rather than a tactical weapon when you're carrying something like this. And number five, if you know what to look for, it's still possible to get a good sturdy blade, uh, which means that you, for very little money, can be reasonably well equipped for utility and emergency self-defense when you supplement your daily carry with one of these inexpensive knives. Uh, give it a shot. I, For example, the Ikea Scallet, I love playing with the thing. It's just a fun knife. I actually cut my thumb really badly. <laughs> my girlfriend was like, how did you cut your thumb? I'm like, well, I was playing around with one of my knives. <laughs> and it, it's just a fun knife. It, it makes you want to do utility chores with it. Um, the same is true of that Victorinox bird's beak knife that we talked about in the fruit knife uh, podcast. Um, there's just something about these little fixed blades that are a lot of fun. And it takes me back to when I first discovered how much fun knives were, how much fun they are to collect, how satisfying they are to use for utility. This is something I think we all could use a reminder of, especially now. It's fun to just 
think about daily carry equipment and how it can make our lives better and safer and a little easier. All right, that's going to about do it. Until next time, this is Buck Green in for Jeff Anderson and MCS Magazine saying prepare, train, and survive. modern combat and survival we hope you've enjoyed the show you can help us out by rating our podcast on itunes and leaving a comment you can check us out on facebook at facebook.com backslash modern combat and survival and don't forget to claim your free subscription to modern combat and survival magazine at www.moderncombatandsurvival.com lock and load and we'll see you next time This has been Modern Combat and Survival.